the hiring manager asked me a question, where do you see yourself in 15 years? My immediate response is great father, great husband. And she stared at me like, you're young. I was like, yeah, but that's my purpose. Everything else is going to happen as a result. Welcome to The Art of Fatherhood, a podcast that takes you on the journey of fatherhood. Now here's your host, Art Eddy. What's going on, everybody? Art Eddy here for another edition of The Art of Fatherhood podcast. And it's not just another edition. It's a great episode. We're going to have so many great conversations. Not just one guest, but we have three great guys talking about work-life balance and how we can be advocates for moms coming back into the workforce and so many different things and just creating a family-friendly workspace and supporting parents and work-life integration. And so we're going to be talking to them about a whole wide range of topics. Uh, You can catch us out on YouTube and our podcast over at The Art of Fatherhood. So I'm going to bring these guys on one at a time. We're going to be talking about different things that they have experienced, certain things that they're looking to do. But again, I want to thank March of Dimes and Medela to be a proud sponsor of today's podcast. Both are actively working to address problems that families face when trying to find work-life balance in today's post-pandemic world. We all know we've all had heard certain stories about getting back into the actual workforce and getting actual back to the, the building and not just commuting, you know, telecommuting and all that. So a lot of different things and a lot of different pieces of advice and views from these three great gentlemen. So let's bring them on right now. The first guest, uh, you might have heard him before if you check out the Art of Fatherhood podcast, is none other than Jeff Castillo. He's uh, over at Medela, and we're also going to talk with David Holstein. He is over at Neocall. And then we have a children's book author and cybersecurity expert, Malcolm Newsom. And I'm going to bring on Jeff Castillo. Uh, not just because he was on here first. I'm not showing any love to you know former guests and all that. But we're going to bring on Jeff first. He is the executive vice president of the Americas at Medela. Jeff, would you mind sharing a few words before we begin, sir? Yeah, Art, thank you for having me back on. I, I think that's a good sign. But I enjoyed <laughs> our first one so much. I enjoyed working with you. And I'm honored to be part of this panel with such distinguished guests like Malcolm and David. So I'm looking forward to this one. But, you know, it, 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 we're at the same place we were when we talked a, a few months back. You know, I'm a father of four, grandfather of five, advocate of fatherhood and all that it represents, only because I realized some areas I could have been better and, and also finding some gaps in our society that could allow fathers to be more involved. And, you know, Medela is committed to that. We're committed to families and reaching their personal breastfeeding goals. And I support that. So I'm, I'm very blessed to be here and working with Medela in, in crusading this on behalf of fathers and how they can support moms and breastfeeding moms more specifically. Yeah, you guys do such a great job. Uh, since I started, you know, connecting with a lot of people over at Medela, especially on LinkedIn, there's a lot of resources that so many people share. And you guys are raising awareness for certain topics that I might not have heard of. And I wish, or maybe when my uh, when my wife was nursing and all that. So you guys seriously, not only talk the talk, but walk the walk. And I really appreciate everything you guys do. So if people listening to this don't follow you guys on social media, or especially LinkedIn, you guys have a lot of great uh, resources and things there. So thank you very much, Jeff. Thank you. Uh, yeah, no doubt. And uh, now I'd like to bring on uh, David Holstein. He's the chief revenue officer at Neocall. How you doing, David? I am doing wonderful. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, a bit about my story and how I got here. Um, I'm a loving and proud uh, husband and father. My wife's name's Kaylee. Uh, I like to say I've got three children. Two are with us. One is one is in heaven. 
Um, bit about our story. We had our second child, had him for a couple hours. We had the opportunity to hold him, sing to him and let him pass in our arms. And the reason that I'm excited to be here is I, I recall my time back in that moment and going through the grieving process and thinking to myself, how do I put the pieces together for my two-year-old son, for my wife, for my family and friends around me, and then also at work, but then also allow myself the space to grieve. And I didn't have that network. I didn't know who to tap into, who to talk to. I didn't have something like this. And I wish maybe I just wasn't searching hard enough and I was kind of frozen in that moment. But having something like this would have allowed me to grieve a little more openly and feel like it was okay. So I'm really happy to kind of share more of my experience here um, and hoping that it touches a few other people. Thank you very much, Dave, for sharing that. I know it's it's really tough. And it's just even every time you bring it up, there's got to be, you know, painful memories and all that. But again, thank you. And I know our next guest can share uh, similar stories with you as well. It's none other than Malcolm Newsom. He's a cy- cybersecurity expert, but also he's a children's book author that we're going to get into his book. And I highly suggest that while you're listening to this podcast or watching it, go to Amazon and pick up his book and we'll put up links over at artoffatherhood.net. But Malcolm, thanks for uh, joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me, Art, and uh, thank you as well to uh, the March of Dimes and Medela for sponsoring this uh, wonderful conversation. Jeff, it's great to be in your presence, David, as well. And um, yeah, it, you know, I, I'm also uh, I'm a father of five, um, married for 14 years, and uh, it's it's I have kind of from a work standpoint, I have kind of an interesting journey of um yeah you know ha- having multiple careers having spent time as an entrepreneur as well uh but then kind of rising through the ranks and becoming an executive vice president at a firm uh and then transitioning into cybersecurity um so i have I have lots of thoughts as it comes to, as it pertains to work and work life balance uh especially for being somebody who's uh, been driven uh and then um you know especially uh, as we if we touch on the theme of uh, working through difficult circumstances, especially grieving, and in our cases, uh, grieving um, uh, through miscarriage. And so uh, that's ultimately what's spawned the, the book, Dear Star Baby, was about my experience uh, and our experience uh, with miscarriage, but then also the things that I learned kind of along the way um, in talking to others and hearing about others' experiences as well. Yeah. Again, all three of you, thank you for your time. I know you guys are very busy, but again, these are topics that must be, you know, discussed and it'll help other people. We obviously like, just like when we're with our kids, we, we teach them things to make sure that they go into this world a better place. Right. And I'm guessing this podcast, people will listen to this and take a lot of positive things away from it, from the experience you guys had. So again, Really appreciate the time on such a you know busy week for uh, all of you guys. But Jeff, let's start with you at Medela. How do you support families in achieving like work life balance? Yeah, that's a great question, Art. And I would say the the first thing we do is to make sure we provide quality products that have science in its backing. And so we we're just not a person that looks for a pump or brings it you know exports it or imports it. We are a person that actually use science in developing our products, and we keep mothers and babies on the forefront on everything we do, and that's good. That's been good and bad. Art, you know, that's 
we've been slow to market on some areas and we've also have been revolutionary in some aspects of, of the market, right? We're very prevalent in the hospitals where mom's first interaction potentially with breastfeeding happens with a baby and or nutrition through mother's milk is extremely important in the NICU. So we touch all aspects of that. And the best thing we could do is ease of use, make sure adoption comes easy and that we do a great job. The other area that we do is we make sure that we have an infrastructure that supports families in the breastfeeding journey. And what does that mean? That means numerous things, making sure that fathers take an active role and have the ability to take an active role. Very important. We talked about that earlier on. Also, there's other members of the family that come around this newborn child. And we want to make sure that we provide educational tools that mom could walk them through and understanding what this means coming into a family. We also make sure that we lead by example, and this is important our, with our own employees, that we give them the opportunities and flexibilities. And it's sometimes little things and sometimes it's bigger things. Like for example, we have reserved parking lots for lactating moms uh, to make sure that they, they have a place reserved where they know they could park in a rush or whatever. We also offer 16 full weeks of pay to parents. So when parents walk away, we, they have 16 full weeks of payment. We have dedicated lactation spaces within our office environment. We support any moms needing to travel if they need their breast milk to be shipped to a potential place where a parent will be at, we will, we will aid in that. And um, return to work bonus for those moms coming back. So we provide that we let them know we're not only happy to have them back, but here's a bonus and appreciation of the time and efforts you put in support of your family and baby. And then we're also advocates. We're advocates with the government. We're wanting to make sure that the government sees us as an example and make these things accessible to all moms returning back to work. Yeah, you, like I said earlier, you guys do such a great job. And the fact that one of the things you said earlier, and I, you and I talked about this last time about like a microwave society where things happen, like you got to quickly get them out there. But the fact that you guys are taking time, obviously, you love to get your products out there and, you know, give them to people in, uh, that need them. But the fact that you guys are taking time to make sure this is, you know, a legit product and helping others. So again, really appreciate that. And I think all, all of us here being dads, we understand that patience is a virtue and we've learned that. So there is time to, you know, do something really fast and then also time to things to slow things down. So totally appreciate that. Yes. Malcolm, like, like you said, you have five children. So two questions for you. How do you manage right now, like a juggling act of, you know, your prof professional responsibilities uh, as a, you know, and then also being a dad. And then the second thing is what kind of support do you give at home? Um, with the, like, you know, while you're trying to manage those dual responsibilities. Cause I always joke when someone has a you know, new kid, the parents are playing, you know, man to man or actually zone. And then when you have two kids, you're playing man to man. And then you have more kids, you're in a zone. And you're like, all right, who's getting what now? So you are definitely playing in a full man zone right now. So talk a little bit about how you do all of that, sir. <laughs> yeah. So uh, one thing that, <clears throat> one thing that helps me has helped me greatly is the environment that I work at now um, at, the company is called Gemari. And um, it's, it's, first of all, great to work for a company and with a company that, that at its core values work life balance. Um, and so uh, I'm fortunate in that, for example, uh, we are a company that has unlimited PTO, right? And uh, like, it's truly unlimited PTO, like if we need to take time off, nobody questions it there aren't any like backdoor sneaky you know uh 
time tracking things or, you know, you don't have to worry about the hammer crushing down on you later. Um, and so because of that, you know, we have an environment where people take work seriously. Uh, and uh, when you have that that level of trust. Um, but what that also means is on a day to day basis, uh, I feel like I have this the kind of the time and space to work and be productive, but then also leave work, uh, leave work at work when I'm done. And so um, that has enabled me to be present with my family outside of work hours. Um, and I, I also want to acknowledge here that that didn't come, uh, that came at a kind of a cost for me, uh, because previous to uh, coming to this role, I, I mentioned earlier that I had previously been a, an executive vice president for a firm and really, you know, you know, trying to climb that corporate ladder, so to speak. Right. And um, it really became, uh, I hit a juncture where I had to make a decision. And that was, um, I had a kind of a budding interest in writing and um, pursuing traditional publishing. Uh, and I knew that I wanted creative energy and time for that. Uh, but at the time I was burning out at work too. And um, my evenings were uh, limited in terms of time with family and also creative energy. And, uh, and so I, I made the choice uh, to kind of leave that corporate ladder pursuit um, and, and uh, take a chance at something else that, I've, uh, that I had an interest in, which happened to be cybersecurity. Uh, and so I think uh, at its core, to kind of answer that question, it, uh, the, it, I, I feel like I have the time and space because of making that difficult decision before. Uh, and it turned out to be the kind of the right decision. Uh, and then um, as we on a day to day basis, I feel like um, the the lengths I go to to protect that kind of sacred time with my family, sacred time for creating and reading and that uh, those are things that have just become a priority in my life that I uh, that I protect and I guard, you know, so yeah. thank you very much for sharing that. And also, too. What a great learning example that you can teach your kids about, yeah, you know, do I try and race up the corporate ladder and other things will fall on the wayside, but you're like, no, with everything that you have experienced as, as a, you know, as a dad, a husband, and, and you were like, nope, I'm going to, this is what I'm going to pursue. And yeah, it's not an easy choice, but like you said, like you appreciate more things about your current company now with the limited PTO and you're not going to wasted by doing something silly like you, if you need to take the time you'll take the time but like it's such a great way to teach your kids how to prioritize things in their lives now there are things they might like things different than you do and prioritize certain things but you're giving them like a great roadmap I and mean, be like hey doesn't always have to like follow the joneses per se right so well done well done on that sir yeah thanks it's the at the core is uh it's kind of this um pro, uh, the the, the teaching of prioritizing mission and purpose rather than, you know, money, for example. Well done. Well done. Love that. David, uh, we know that you and your wife both have demanding careers. We also know that you're an advocate for father-centric support groups and conversations. Being in this parenting space, I've seen the value of 
uh, dads uh, and their groups and just being there for each other. So you're preaching the choir, sir. So I really appreciate what you're doing. You also bring up conversations on gender roles and responsibilities and making sure that they evolve, not just, you know, from back in the past, but they're, you know, instead of like, you know, dad 2.1, we're at dad 5.0, where we're actually making sure that we're staying with the times and making sure that we're supporting our spouses. So talk about what you've done further to address these unique issues that fathers face. Yeah, I think there's probably a couple of different things. I think about it both personally and professionally. On a professional level, you know, when I was going through everything that we went through, my wife and I, I, I was at a company of 15-ish people. So there wasn't a whole lot of policies and procedures that were really in place to meet the new demands that I had upon myself for the very first time. I didn't know where to turn. And I think, unfortunately, it takes situations like that amongst your employee base. Um, that's going to kind of, those situations will will kind of rock the boat in the right and the most positive ways to make sure that policies change moving forward. So immediately we started to see, and I was kind of leading the charge for updated policies and procedures. And we've done that every single year for the last five years, which has been great. Outside of that though, there needs to be um, outside of paperwork, there needs to be a culture that allows people to feel safe and okay, not being okay. And especially I find, uh, particularly in men and males, it's really difficult to go onto a conversation with a lot of other males in the room and be really vulnerable in that way, right? To shed a tear in front of another, another, another guy, right? And say, I'm struggling today. This is what I've got going on in my life. Um, so I, I felt it was important for me to, when we were going through that, instead of hiding behind it and just working through it, which don't get me wrong, I, I worked through it and I had my own faults through my grieving process, but I still openly spoke about what happened to essentially give myself the space to not be okay. So that if, and when a moment hit me and I needed to feel that grief for a moment that I'd already kind of forewarned everyone. And I didn't have that little thing in my mind saying, Oh my gosh, if I break down this call, it's going to be awkward. Um, so everyone was kind of there and understood where I was, but moving forward that allowed other people, whether it was a similar situation or any other grief they had in their life, a loss of a, a friend, a family member, or anything else going on, that they could pull me aside and share with, with me what was going on in their world. And that allowed me to be a man, better manager, leader, colleague to them and in that process. And then on the on the personal side, you know, you, you face similar things on, on the personal side. And, you know, I, I actually found that I've, I've got the same group of guy friends for about 20 some odd years. I'm extremely lucky. Um, and for the first time, we're getting to the age where our problems are significant. It's not, I just broke up with my very first girlfriend, hard conversations, it's, it's loss. And for the very first time, having a friend out for a beer and sitting at a bar and saying nothing because you had nothing to say and your friend being okay with that or your friend leaning over to hug you for the very first time. I mean, I don't even like, hey, what's going on, man? It's good to see you again. I mean, deeply hug you because you're going through problems. And so for me, it's it's been about, opening up the conversation and letting the dialogue happen in a really safe spot. That's been the difference maker, not just the policies. Great work you're doing. I really appreciate that, David. Yeah. And especially again, like I said earlier, like post pandemic, there's a lot of different things that we've all experienced and gone through and the way that we maybe interact is totally different than before. And so having that moment, like you said, we're even like, if, even if you don't know what to say, but just being there and like, like yeah. you said, having a beer or just chatting with them about, non-important stuff just to kind of get through the day or something like that. So really appreciate that. 
Jeff, for you with over 25 years uh, with experience and all that, how would you suggest a workplace go about fostering environment? Because people might hear this like, oh, like whether you're a man or a woman listening to this, and you're like, oh, I'd love to have those certain policies and all that. Sometimes people are like, it's just cloud talk, but how do you actually make it work where they can take what they've learned from this podcast or this video and actually bring it to their company and be like, hey, these people are talking about successful stories about being a safe environment of being an environment where they care about us, a company actually cares about us. Kind of talk a little bit about how companies should go about implementing things and like procedures to make sure people feel appreciated. Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm going to say it, it always starts at the top. You know, um, people have to identify with the person who's leading the charge that they get it to some extent, you know, and just listening to both David and Malcolm today, you you constantly are learning new things and, and you got to be open to that and understand that not everybody's walked in your shoes or you haven't walked in everybody else's shoes. Right. But it doesn't mean that these things aren't reality in the world and the need to give the flexibility to individuals like these two or, or the masses of others is to understand, hey, they may find themselves in a tough situation, right? Here we are, and I shared this earlier with you, we, we do a lot with babies in the NICU. And um, that just goes, you know, if, if someone in this organization is dealing with that situation, and it's very stressful, because I've dealt with it myself, you want to make sure that there's no other thing keeping them from that support that that mom and baby may need. So we don't ask questions when we know there's a situation like that. We expect that person to be fully, fully involved in that situation and supportive of that because we're so aware of it. Um, you know, and then positive reinforcement. We recognize individuals within our organization who have had to face certain challenging challenges with parenting. And, uh, and we honor and respect those people that step out of the corporate boundaries in support of that, you know? So it's important to me, you know, if you looked at my LinkedIn, if you're, if you're associated with my LinkedIn, it's, I personalize a lot of it. You know, I, I talk about my family. I talk about the calling. I call this a calling, not a job because for me and my, you know, you said 25 years of experience, you're correct. I, I had a lot of choices, but for whatever reason, I've been brought to this opportunity and, and I understand why, you know, it's, I want to make a difference and I want to make sure we make a difference. Yeah. And you guys are just, again, like, I, I know we both mentioned like following you on LinkedIn, but again, you are walking the walk with all the talk you guys are talking over at Medela. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Now, David and Malcolm, this is something that I've never experienced and I'm sorry that you both have. And I just, it's even hard for me to talk about something that I've never experienced and the pain that you and your family must have gone through. You have both had the experience of losing a child. And I'm so sorry for that. I, you know, I talk with dads who have similar stories, but it never gets easier talking about this. And I really appreciate your, you both being brave to talk about this. Cause I know, like I said, other people, once they say like, it's not just me, I didn't experience this alone. Other people have, and they're listening to your story. So I appreciate that. Malcolm, we can start with you. Just talk about your experience, how you were, we always have that idea, maybe stereotypically that dads have to be the rock and we have to be the one there for everybody, but who's going to be there for you so talk a little bit about your experience. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> as I as I listened to, to David speaking, there's definitely some commonality there. One of the things that happens, I think, especially with, with miscarriage in particular, is that, uh, especially early miscarriage, is that in, in our society, we're really taught to pretty much not tell anybody until 
after the first trimester. Don't share the news in case something bad happens um, because miscarriage is, is that common. And so um, we, we uh, my wife and I, we, we followed that advice. Um, and uh, the, the first kind of major this big miscarriage we had happened at 11 weeks. And um, because of that, you know, hardly anybody knew. And so uh, I found myself in this situation where uh, I needed to go to work uh, and work didn't even really know, uh, knowing that work even really knew uh, my wife was pregnant. So I, I had to kind of like share the entire story. Uh, it, it worked out for me uh, at that time in that um, I sh- shared with a person at HR because I'm like, I'm going to need to take some time away. Um, and that person uh, I'm very grateful for because what she did was then connect me with another uh, uh, male who happened to be a leader at the company and um, and say, hey, if it's OK with you, I'd love you know, love to connect you both because, you know, he's been through that too. Uh, and so uh, I found that I was able to get some support um, because of opening up and sharing, but also because of this person's willingness uh, to make a connection for me. And uh, I think without that, I, you know, it's, it, it's hard to, it's hard to say how much more difficult uh it would have been for me because through that conversation, <clears throat> I started to learn about like how widespread this, uh, this is. And it's, it's, uh, you know, miscarriage is a thing that even today is it's starting to grow more now where people are a little bit, uh, more open about it, but you know, 10 years ago, it, it wasn't quite there yet. And, um, so, yeah, this kind of suffering and silence uh, has a way of permeating uh, like our entire lives. Uh, and so um, to, to, to kind of like break out of that, it takes, it takes a whole lot. Uh, that, that, uh, that, that point of uh, vulnerability itself takes a whole lot. But then uh, I think there's that encouragement there that, you know, uh, once we do that, especially when it's a safe uh, space, uh, loving environment, and that that's where healing can begin. Thank you. And uh, uh, Dave, I'm going to ask you in a quick second, but just Malcolm, for those who are listening to this and maybe are, are, is, are on the fence of like, do I share it with someone or someone at work or do I share with a friend? When that person in HR is like, oh, would you want me to connect you with someone? Was it instantly, again, like just because I want to go on your guys' experience, like, did they say something like, yeah, you know, I, I have someone to connect if you want. Did you mean like, yeah, sure. Or did you take a little while? and like, do I want to do this? Do I want to share my vulnerability? If you don't mind answering that, just because in the sense of like, it's not like sometimes you look at like here, sorry, like, oh, it's a snap decision. Sure, I'll do this. But did it take a little bit for you to be like, yeah, I should do this? Uh, so the way, it, the way it worked out for me uh, is that in that conversation, uh, I had to, I had to kind of, I was open to it. Uh, okay. And so I expressed, yes, I'm, I'm okay with this. Um, but then she, I didn't know who it was. So she had to go to him and get his approval to kind of uh, make the connection. Right. Um, and so there's some, there's a little bit of time and space in, in that uh, making sure that he was okay with this too. Uh, but 
I, I don't remember it being very long. I think it was w- within the span of like that work day that we then got to, you know, we're able to get together and talk. Thank you for uh, sharing that. David, talk a little bit about your experience, if you wouldn't mind, sir. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, I think I'm actually, to be honest, a good example of what not to do. Um, because I I believe that looking back on it now and, and hindsight being what it is, the reason why I'm, I'm doing things like this is to avoid what I, you know, if I look back at myself, what I, what I was going through for the first six to nine months, had I had something, an outlet like this, I think it probably would have helped me process a little bit better. You know, I think, I think one thing that, that I, I struggle with is, you know, the idea of fatherhood is, feels to me like a, like a very deeply rooted social construct that the father needs to be this rock. They need to work, they need to provide, and everyone else can break down except the father. And you've got to work your way through it. And there's part of that that I, there's part of that that I love. I, I you know, I, I do love working hard. I take pride in the fact that I can provide for my family in a lot of ways, not, but not just financially, but emotionally in so many other ways. Um, but that wouldn't allow me to take, you know, take that hat off. And I struggled there and I tried a couple of different things, you know, right off the bat, you know, getting back into church. I've always had, you know, I'm a religious person. I've always had my own relationship with God, whether I was in church or not, but I started to go more to learn more, um, found out that I was pretty angry. Um, I tried to go to group therapy, one-on-one therapy. And I think I tried that all so early that I hadn't even processed anything that had happened quite yet. So it was all just this big um, big blur of all the emotions, the the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. You know, I think <clears throat> I think another thing that really, really impacted me, and it's something that I, it stands out in my mind when I recall the way that I felt at the time, is it, it's speaking specifically around the social construct is people would call me and I'd pick up the phone and we'd talk and the question would be, how's Kaylee doing? And don't get me wrong. I'm so happy that my wife had the army of prayer warriors that she had, you know, because she needed it. And we got meals and we got flowers. I think people are doing what they believe was helping us. And and to some extent it was, but internally I'm like, no one has, is yet to call me and, and ask me how I'm doing. And so it's a, it's odd to have to call people and say, I'm not doing well. Can we talk about this? I need someone. So you know, I look back on it now and I feel like, yes, the social construct needs to be challenged personally and professionally in policies and the way we we lead people, whether you're a direct leader in an organization or you're just a leader as a human. Um, we need to challenge these social norms to help fathers in particular process this type of grief personally and professionally. Thank you both for sharing that. And again, I, I think that what you said, like breaking down the social norms and the constructs, right? And and for you to be like, you know, I kind of felt weird being like, I need some help or like, I'm glad they're reaching out to my wife, but what about me? And we almost will have that, like, just listening to you. Like I could, if I put myself in your situation, I'm like, yeah, I need some help. I like, am I being selfish because she was the one that was carrying the baby and all that. So you're almost like guessing yourself, right? And you're just like, I I need help, but do I need help? Right. Like, you know, or do Mm -hmm. I need, do I need support or how do I get the support or should I just, just kind of, you know, kind of be in silence and pain and all that. So again, yeah. You said you kind of did the wrong way, but you obviously ended up in the right way you needed to get there. It just took a little bit longer, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's right. Again, thank you, gentlemen, for that. Uh, so, Jeff, I kind of want to switch now talking about 
how we as dads and fathers can be advocates for people. Like I said, when I started working with you guys earlier this year, I realized, man, like I wish, you know, if I was in a space where I knew someone was coming back from, uh, you know, pregnancy and all that and baby, like, okay, how can I be an advocate? Right. And like, if I'm kind of uncomfortable, maybe go to HR, you and I had these really great conversation about how we can be advocates. So for those who might not have checked out that episode, Please share the work that you guys are doing and pass on some good uh, procedures or policies that have worked for you that can work in any environment. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to almost build off the foundation that Malcolm and David just, just laid for us, but it's being present. And the strength of being present is so important in uh, not assuming that you are present. And in reality, you're not. Right. And, and and David spoke to that. And a good friend of mine who also lost a child who who wrote a book called Sometimes the Rock Must Crumble. Right. It's you have to have that vulnerability in order to be that support. Right. You have to deal with yourself somewhat in order to build bring back that foundation to family. And the same goes here. You know, Art, why am I an advocate of this? Because I probably failed in many aspects of it as a father. And, uh, and, and what I see my kids doing today, especially my boys, I'm proud of the things they did that I did not do. Um, I'll never forget my oldest son. I, you know, I called him one day and I said, what are you doing? He goes, oh, I'm here with, you know, with Nora and Ross. You know, my wife went off to an event. And I said, oh, so you're babysitting? He goes, dad, no, fathers don't babysit. <laughs> I love that. I had to jump in. I absolutely love that. That is so true. Oh, man, you're talking about humility, guys. It, it brought me down quite. A, it chopped me down. Right. And he was right. And he and, and what he said was, this is not babysitting to me. I'm, I'm being present. So as an executive for Medela and as a father and as a grandfather, I want to be present. And I want to make sure that I'm in touch as much as possible. And I learn from my mistakes. Right. And I support those around us in, in making sure they don't make the same ones. I, I love that. Yeah. And, and so again, just in the circle that I run with, there's a group called the National At Home Dad Network. And David, if you really like that phrase, I have a shirt that says dads don't babysit. So you can pick it. up that shirt. Oh, really? I, I need to get that t-shirt as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know the cool Do you have a promo is, code for me? <laughs> yeah, I'll try and get it. I'll, I'll see what I can do. I'll, I know. That's awesome. Um, but, but Jeff, now you can wear that shirt and be like, look, I listen. <laughs> Yeah, I, I surely won't wear one that says "Pops don't babysit" because that's the part of the benefits of being a grandpa. We get the babysit and hand it back off. But as a dad, <laughs> he's right; we don't babysit. Love it, Jeff. Thank you very much for that, David. Talk about how we can be uh, present and engaged with family time despite the demands of your job. Any tips for you know how you manage it that you have found success? Because, like you said earlier, like there are certain things you failed at, but you've gotten better from your experience. I remember, like I mentions all the time. One of my daughter's uh, sixth grade teachers said the acronym for fail is first attempt and learning. We're going to fail a couple of times. We're not going to get it right away. Right. So talk a little bit about how, what you've experienced and how you balance work and life, sir. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's another place that there are times there are definitely times and seasons uh, that I feel like I struggle a little bit more with this uh, than I do others. But I would say that, you know, from the very beginning, I've actually, I've actually known my purpose take an even step back. I mean, also six kids and there's a big age gap between myself and the youngest. So I've been around children my entire life. Um, I've been to all the events, the sports games, the band competitions, the everything, you name it. So I've known from the very beginning. In fact, I remember my first interview with a company called Corporate Executive Board, which became Gartner. 
the hiring manager asked me a question, where do you see yourself in 15 years? My immediate response is great father, great husband. And she stared at me like, you're young. I was like, yeah, but that's my purpose. Everything else is going to happen as a result. So knowing that I've, I've always told myself that I know that I'm also someone who's professionally driven and I want to accomplish incredible things professionally. And I, I'm going to need to ensure that I fill my cup personally as much as professionally in order for me to be a well-rounded at both. I can't let one lag. So I place some specific priorities on, on what I'm doing and where I hold sacred in my calendar. So for example, uh, my six-year-old is just getting into all the sports, every single sport they possibly get into. And I'm coaching multiple of them. And there's no way that I will prioritize a sales conversation, a board meeting, a whatever in over the top of a game. I will always be at that game, if whether if I'm coaching or not. Um, so we do that pretty frequently in the mornings. I've got my morning routine. I get up, I have a little me time, get some exercise in, but then my six-year-old wakes up and he's my early bird. And it's just him and I together for the first hour. When I don't have that because of work travel, I'm off tilt. I can't, I like that routine. I like being grounded with my family around, even though a lot of family time can make anyone a little stressed, um, but I'm pretty grounded, right? So I, I, there, there are parts of my routine that I've built into my routine to ensure that even amidst the hustle and bustle of a normal average workday, there are kind of the bookends of those workdays that are, it's time for them. And I'm going to shut it all off and I'm going to be present in that moment, no matter if it's a sport or we're learning how to read or we're potty training or I'm watching my six-year-old and three-year-old scream at each other. So I think it's just... It's just finding that time, holding it sacred. And then on top of that, bring that back into the workplace with your team, right? So if you are, whether, again, whether you're managing a team directly, whether you are on a team of other people who are parents, understanding when people have time with their family and let them have that time and openly talk about how important it is for them to have that time and letting them know if you can take anything off their plate so that they can have that and feel fulfilled. That's also important as well. Love it. A couple things. I love the fact that you're coaching your kids. I've, I've coached my daughter's basketball team, softball teams, all that good stuff. Do you have an extra, do you have like a co-coach or is it just you? I do. So um, in baseball, we've got four coaches. And so I I've been coaching my six-year-old since T-ball since the kids were, four years old, right? Can't throw a ball. And there's, um, I find that if you have any left than four coaches, which sounds ridiculous, right? But you got four coaches for first graders. It actually allows you to break it up really nicely that you got little groups of three or four in a squad learning a new skill and not just like trying to wrestle with each other in the outfield. Lots of coaches. No, it's good because I always felt like the, I would say like, oh, hey, when you're dribbling, you got to jump off your left foot. If you're going for a lamp, my daughter would be like, yeah, whatever, dad, and not do it. But then the other coach would say something and they listen like, yes. Okay. And then second thing, if, if you have a timeout, as your kids progress in age, you're going to have parents who are going to be like really like trying to coach their own kids, even though they're not the coach. Yeah. But the different athletes I've had, men and women, I remember I had Brandy Chastain on. You know, obviously famous uh, U.S. soccer player, right? Mm -hmm. She said she was coaching her daughter's soccer team and people were coming up and trying to overcoach her. I'm like, uh, why was that? Like, I can understand people trying to overcoach me. Overcoach her? I'm like, no, I don't I don't think so. So I just yeah. want to share, if you ever have that experience, even the oh, professionals yeah. get that. 
Yes, a hundred percent. You know, I, we've we've been lucky in that it, even in basketball and baseball, we've had relatively the same group of kids and parents. Right. And the kids have progressed, so we kind of we get a little bit of the hands off treatment. They trust us at this point in time, but I mean, yeah, you have all the parents screaming from the stands, and their kids don't know whether to look at their parents or me, and you know, we'll fight that battle for a while. One last thing, when my when my oldest, she uh, was on her basketball team, she told me and another coach, like, coach, we took a timeout because they needed to, like, score one more point. Like, we got this. We came up with our own play during free time at practice. We're like, and it worked, and they scored. It was like, our job <laughs> is done. We're good. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. Um, Malcolm, your book, I got to say congratulations on the success of your book, uh, Dear Star Baby. It obviously has a great message to it. It means a lot to your family. Um, Jeff, before we started recording, even said that, you know, he kind of tested out with some of the kids and uh, his family and all that, and they loved it. And I think one of the ways you can bond with your kids at an early age and talk about tough subjects is through music or through reading. And so your book definitely, uh, you know, accomplishes that fact. So talk a little bit about your book. And then also too, you know, with your, you, like you said, you have a lot of different passions. So how do you balance obviously promoting a book doing your job, being a family man, all that good stuff. Would you mind sharing that, sir? Yeah, thank you. Uh, so yeah, Dear, Dear Star Baby uh, comes out of this place of, uh, you know, certainly my own uh, personal experience, but, uh, and also what I'd learned about the other, uh, you know, what seemed to be commonalities in other uh, people's experiences. Um, but one thing in particular uh, that I love to highlight when I talk about the book, especially the title of the book, um, is that uh, the the one thing I saw that is, was uh, a, a major uh, common thread among uh, folks that have had miscarriages um, or other types of er like earlier pregnancy loss uh, is that the babies oftentimes they don't have names yet. Uh, given to them by their families. And so, um, and, and I started to realize, well, society doesn't have a name for them either. Right. And so we have uh, like rainbow babies, which are uh, the uh, children that are born after, you know, a loss. Uh, but we don't have, we didn't have a, a, a universal name for the babies that we did lose. And so that was uh, at the core of, really what I was thinking about as I was writing this uh, is, you know, it's kind of, yes, an honoring of uh, the babies that we lost, but then uh, wanting all of the babies to have, you know, a name that we can kind of anchor on. Uh, the other thing that I really kind of touch on in the book, or that was kind of a part of my journey, was uh, the 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 wondering and the uh the wondering that goes along with having a loss um because i found that throughout my processing that the hardest thing for me was coming to grips with this kind of future reality that i had already set up in my mind that was now not going to happen and so uh so i had to kind of ask myself all those questions what you know what did you look like? You know, what, what would you have been like? What sort of things would we have done together? Right. And all, all those, you know, come into kind of grips with the reality that, uh, that we wouldn't have those moments. Right. Uh, <clears throat> and then uh, the, 
I guess kind of the final mm-hmm. one that I really touch on maybe giving away the whole book now, but, um, but also the different ways that we grieve. Uh, and so I really wanted to kind of touch on that in the book um, in a way in that um, we, we, we do grieve differently. Um, and, uh, and that is something that is kind of underscoring the, 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 the narrative that, uh, that Dear Star Baby presents. Maybe you gave away the the plot and idea, but I think the the illustrations, the words, your own words, people should definitely check out the book. Where, like, besides like Amazon, all that stuff, is there a main place you would love to like kind of tell people to go right now, like your site, or where would you, where, where's the best place that you would like people to purchase your book? Ah, yeah. So, um, so the book is published by uh, kind of a mid sized publisher called Beaming Books, and uh, and they also graciously offered that uh, for a limited time after this podcast airs uh, that anyone who goes through and purchase the book from beamingbooks.com uh, using a coupon code uh, can get 30% off. So I will, I will make sure to have that coupon code um, maybe for you. Maybe we can include it in show notes or whatever. Oh, but, for sure. Definitely. Uh, but yeah, please visit beamingbooks.com and uh search dear star baby there dear star baby there and uh purchase from there awesome. yeah malcolm if i could jump in too having read that book what I, what i enjoyed about your book and i'm not going to give away much was that you didn't present it to be like and then all things were fine after we talked right you actually presented that there was somebody else in the family that continued to suffer with it in a different way and I thought that was uh, really good because we got to bring some level of reality to these kids when we do go through a loss like that. So I, I enjoyed that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's um, it, I, I wanted it to be a conversation starter, right? And um, because, yeah, it it's hard enough for us as adults to talk about it. Uh, but then how do we have these conversations with our children? Um, and, you know, I, I wanted to kind of make it a little bit easier, hopefully, to have the conversation with uh, not only children, but the entire family. And so if it could be just a starter, then um, then I trust that uh, any families or any individuals that are having this conversation can now, you know, kind of come together and go where they need to go from there. No doubt. No doubt. Thank you very much. And again, I want to thank Medela and March of Dimes for setting this up and supporting the Art of Father and just supporting families and fatherhood and motherhood and parenting and families all around. Jeff, you you can you talk about what Medela is doing with March of Dimes? Because I bet whatever you guys are going to be doing is going to be a fantastic partnership. But just talk a little bit about what you guys are looking to do. Yeah, so uh, it's been great to work with March of Dimes. We have a very similar core when it comes to what we do. March of Dimes, you know, being very focused on babies and and uh, and health, you know, restrictions of mothers during, uh, you know, being pregnant and such. So they're very focused on that, as are we. And we are in a dilemma in the United States right now. We, for the first time, have recorded one of the highest maternal mortality rates in America's history. Uh, and, and here we are seeing all these advancements around us, all these things moving forward, but yet we're seeing a decline in maternal or a inc- an increase in maternal uh, 
mortality. So, and you know, it's even more prevalent, unfortunately, in the city that we I reside in right now in Chicago. The south side of Chicago alone has had seven hospitals closed down. And unfortunately, those are areas where a large population of minorities participate in those communities. So African-Americans and Hispanics are dealing with mortality rates at a much higher level than other minority groups because these impacts in those areas. So we're working closely with March of Dimes to assure that we bring some level of support to these mothers uh, that are pregnant and these mothers and babies when baby is birthed to make sure that we could bring down these levels of mortality rate. It's, it's quite alarming uh, if you think about it, Art. It's, and we're just making sure we do the right things. And March of Dimes is on the forefront of this. Yeah, again, what you guys are doing, what March of Dimes is doing is is really great. And again, like you three sharing how to create a positive workplace environment, obviously a great home environment. You all illustrated that beautifully on the today's conversation. So again, I, I hope audience and whether they're taking this in through YouTube or through, seeing it through the podcast, understand that there's ways that people can live a healthy balance not just for themselves, but for their families and to work, you know, in their in their work environment. So thank you very much. Before I let you guys go, I'm going to have Jeff go first because he did this before and then you guys are going to follow suit. We're going to have to finish off with a father at quick five. So <laughs> Malcolm and David, you you know, I'm going to go through Jeff first and then Malcolm, you'll go and then David, you can follow suit. Jeff, you can use the same answer. You can even change up the answers. I don't care, but we're just going to show them how it's done. All right, sir. <laughs> All right. All right. Favorite family movie. Do you guys have one? Forrest Gump. Nice. Genre of music you couldn't wait to introduce your kids to? Oh, for sure, 70s and 80s rock. <laughs> nice. Late 70s, 80s, all the way. Nice. Describe the perfect family vacation. Where would it be? Anywhere that's far from work. <laughs> nice. Favorite board game or any type of card game or whatever game you like to play with your family is? Monopoly. Awesome. <laughs> nice. As long as there's no boards being thrown, right? Yeah. And, uh, Lastly, top three words you hope your kids would use to describe you as a dad. What would you want them to be? Loving, supportive, and present. Awesome. Malcolm, your turn. Ready? <laughs> oh, man. All right. <laughs> Favorite family movie. Do you guys have one? The The flavor of the month is uh, The Little Mermaid. Nice. No, that's yeah. perfect because you said it right there. As every dad and mom knows, it comes in spurts. <laughs> like you watch things over and over again, and then you're on to the next. So well done. Favorite genre of music you you can wait to introduce your kids to is what? Jazz. Uh, <laughs> well done. <laughs> and in particular, uh, Pat Metheny is my uh, probably my favorite recording artist. And uh, Pat Metheny and Victor Wooten are, are my top two uh, favorite recording artists. So nice. Yeah. My youngest is a big jazz fan. She plays uh, the uh, alto uh, yeah the alto sax. So nice. Describe the perfect family vacation. Where would it be? Uh, well, um, <clears throat> I once visited, uh, Copenhagen for, um, but it was like a quick jaunt after a work trip yeah. and, uh, I am really eager to get my family over there. Awesome. Favorite board game, card game, whatever you guys like to play right now, the flavor of the month is. <laughs> yeah, it's another one. Uh, so there, there, there's kind of, a, I need, I need to say this in two parts. So. Uh, my wife and I, we we love strategy games, uh, and we've been hooked on this game called Stone Age, uh, which is, uh, 
I don't, I don't even know if it's fully imprinted in, anymore, but, um, but yes, yeah, a great strategy game, uh, uh, similar to, you know, your settlers of Catan or any okay. of those. Yep. That's yeah. a good one. Um, so that would be probably our favorite strategy game right now. Uh, then if I kind of bring in the, the family as a kind of a bigger whole, um, uh, Maki Koro is, uh, it's like this card, uh, kind of a, kind of a strategy ish card game, okay. uh, that moves a lot quicker. Nice. That sure. or, uh, what is the, um, I think it's Untamed Unicorns, I think is the name of it. So <laughs> those, we love, we love those two. <laughs> nice. Love that. That sounds like a horror flick. Yeah, it, it's 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 coming through the theaters near you. Um, no, but like the the starter set for Dungeons and Dragons is a great way to get your kids like have some cool imagination and stuff like. So just what you're saying, a strategy games. Okay, and lastly, top three words you hope your kids would use to describe you as a dad. What would you want them to be? Uh, yeah, I would say uh, loving. I would say supportive. Uh and also wise. Nice. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. All right, David, you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. Let's do it. All right, favorite family movie? Moana. Nice. Such a good song. Like, it's a good soundtrack. I, nice. A, a little quick story. I know we're at the Fatherhood Quick Five or whatever it's called. Um, so I knew that I was a, I was living my absolute dream, my purpose in life when I came downstairs. My wife's down there. My kids are down there watching Moana. And, like, they were, like, kind of bobbing their heads, like, even at, like, a young age. And I was, like, and I had this, like, epiphany on the staircase. Like, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be in the life I'm supposed to be living. I took it a step further, everybody. I got a Moana fish, the Maui's fish hook tattooed on my chest. <laughs> so, <laughs> luckily, most people will never that see one. that. But <laughs> I, uh, Commitment. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Running, running joke that at some point in time I have a big Disney mural on my body, which is totally not me, but yeah, love it. <laughs> love it. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, uh, favorite family, like genre of music. You got me all riled up, man. I can't... <laughs> uh, so, uh, pop punk. Oh, nice. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Perfect yeah. family vacation. Where would it be? Um, I would love to go back to um, the Highlands of Scotland. My Both my boys absolutely love steam trains. Um, my wife and I had a chance to, to travel there before, before we had children. It's been our most favorite place to go. And there's a steam train that travels all throughout Scotland. Old school steam train, incredible mountains, stopping in different places. And I think that would just be an all-time trip for the family. Nice. Favorite family game right now is? I can't stand board games, gonna be honest. Um, not my speed. <laughs> um, so board games not my thing. And uh the young one is a little too young. So I think right now we're gonna go with uh, you know, the Nintendo Switch is is um you can hook up to the TV, it's like the old school, it's like the new version of the Wii. We play sports and we go downstairs and we we get them on like my six-year-old and I are just like profusely sweating at the end of playing a round of volleyball on Wii Sports. Love it. And top three words you hope your kids would use to describe you as dad, what would you want them to be? All right, so truth be told, it's loving, supportive, and present. And it was incredible because when you said, I'm going to hit you with this quick five, I had an, an immediate panic, like, oh my gosh, I'm not prepared. But when you said that question, I knew the words right away. And when you asked Jeff and Jeff said them right away, when you go back and watch this, you'll see me make like an audible, like, oh my gosh, you did the exact same thing that I said. And I was like, the answer I was most prepared for. So awesome. I would say 
nailed it. Awesome. Gentlemen, again, it's been an honor chatting with you. Thank you for taking time out of your busy day. And also a big shout out to March of Dimes and Medela for the work that they're doing. No joke. Follow them on social media. See how you guys can get involved in helping them out. If, you know, Giving Tuesday doesn't have to be during the holidays. It can be whatever. So if you want to support uh, people like the March of Dimes and Medela, see how you can do that. And also pick up Malcolm's book. It's a great book. Like It's a great tool to talk to your kids about something that is really hard in life. Uh, dear star baby so definitely check it out but again gentlemen thank you very much for doing this with me i hope my audience takes away all the information you guys gave today because it's very you know heartwarming and endearing so again i wish you, you and your family's continued success but thank you so much for jumping on with me today gentlemen thank you art yeah thanks for having us thank you art and uh david and jeff great to great to be in your presence great meeting you guys as well likewise Thanks for checking out this week's edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Please rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And also go to artoffatherhood.net. You can have a chance to check out some great articles like the weekly Dad's Doing It Right column, the Collector of the Week, and many more. Plus, you have a chance to win some very cool prizes like video games, collectibles, all that good stuff. Go to artoffatherhood.net. And please make sure you rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to podcasts because that will greatly appreciate it to get the word out on the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts and go to theartoffatherhood.net.